This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Tuesday, November 9th, and this is the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm your host, Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in. A lot to catch up on. Obviously, some coaching decisions being made. Nebraska giving a fifth year to Scott Frost, Texas Tech hiring a new coach. Uh, And we've got national recruiting editor Brandon Huffman on the line to break it all down, as well as look ahead to maybe some other Power 5 openings. From a recruiting standpoint, the appeal that some of these coaches will be stepping into once they find their new post. But first, Brandon, how are we doing? Larry, you know, I can't complain too much. It's November in Washington and I have blue skies outside. That's I like it. It's a little change of pace from what we saw over the weekend at that uh, Washington Oregon game, where it looked a, a little a little unpleasant. And that was just on the UW sidelines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe talk a little Jimmy Lake here in, in a bit as well as as that seat starts to warm up uh, a bit more than than it already was. Uh, but let's start off with Texas Tech. They have gotten a head start on some of these other Power Five schools that you've been tracking over at twenty four seven Sports dot com. A long form story where you're starting to kind of track and identify the top openings from a recruiting perspective. Tech comes off the board because they just landed Joey McGuire. He's a former head coach at Cedar Hill, a legendary coach in the state of Texas who has spent five years at Baylor uh, coaching tight ends, coaching outside linebackers. I got to interact with him a few years back when he was at Cedar Hill at an Under Armour camp down there in um in the state of Texas. And I think this is a terrific hire for tech because when we're starting now to enter the new era of the Big 12, minus Oklahoma, minus Texas, that's going to open up some avenues and open up some doors that maybe these other schools weren't able to get to when they were recruiting the in-state prospects. Joey McGuire is going to be able to build a staff, I think, that will target that in-state recruit. And when you're a tech and when you're one of those programs, a Baylor, a TCU, that's trying to make a dent and keep some of the top talent home, uh, it's going to help for it's going to be helpful, I think, for them to have a familiar face leading leading the charge. Yeah, and I think that that's something that you know we've seen work to success in Texas in the last few years. I mean, you see it also kind of on the flip side. Chad Morris did it when he left Clemson and came back to SMU before he went to Arkansas. It didn't quite work out there, but. You know, Art Bryles started out as a high school coach, moved in. Now, I'm talking about on-the-field results. There had been success with the on-the-field results. And, you know, when you, you look at there's been a real big push over the last few years. We're seeing more and more high school coaches joining college staffs, whether it's in an assistant coaching role, whether it's, a you know, as an analyst. And then those guys buy their time and you find out, man, these guys are really good football coaches for a reason. And it's, I mean, just look at what UTSA is experiencing with Jeff Trailer. Not only do you bring in, you know, a, a young, energetic, because let's be honest, high school coaches, for the most part, 
are energetic guys. You have to be to get the community buy-in. But it's also the connections throughout the state that you bring in. When you're Texas Tech and you're not necessarily you know, a, a brand like a Texas or Texas A&M in-state where you can go and recruit nationally, you need to have those resources and those connections in the state. And I think that you know Joey McGuire gives Texas Tech a, an obvious boost in the army. Just, just look at the responses from you know other coaches in the state of Texas today on social media, other people that cover recruiting in the state. I mean, this is a guy that everybody is raving about from a personality standpoint, but then you look, he's not just a nice guy. This is a guy that has won at the highest levels in high school football and has been a big part of the renaissance at Baylor in these last couple of years. So, I mean, if you're Texas Tech, this is the kind of winning the press conference type of hire you make, but then you also have so much more than just winning the press conference here. Yeah, and obviously he's going to take over now and and join that that team as a recruiter only. They're still going to keep their interim head coach, and and he's going to be starting to build his staff around him and focus on recruiting as we make that charge towards the early signing period in mid December. I think it's pretty significant, and you touched on it there a little bit with those connections and with the ability for him to have built those relationships with other coaches across the the state. It's going to be, I think, really interesting because let's say there's a player that's being slept on, right? And we love that term, you and I. Nothing nothing makes me laugh more than when a player is being slept on. But let's say a recruit is maybe overlooked or underrated or whatever it may be, and he's not getting the attention from some of these big Power 5 schools, right? The elite of the elite, the Ohio States, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the, you know, the, that, that type of school. And there's a head coach who's like, oh, this player's really good. Let me reach out to Joey McGuire and tell him, hey, this is going to be a steal for you. I think that's where Texas Texas Tech is going to be able to kind of make itself in recruiting across the state of Texas because every year it's one of the most loaded states across the country and, and some would argue probably the most loaded state. So Texas Tech gets Joey McGuire as its next head coach and it's going to be, I think, an interesting and fascinating thing to, to monitor from a recruiting standpoint. Another thing to monitor, Scott Frost staying aboard the Lincoln, Nebraska train. He's he's giving a fifth year, Brandon, and we don't really <laughs> see that now in, in college football. Uh, um, we can call him maybe the super senior of college coaches. And I, I think, you know, Nebraska has been underwhelming in recruiting. I think they're sitting outside the top 70 nationally. But I do think that giving clarity, not only to him by restructuring that contract, but also to the recruits and that the, 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 the prospects that the Cornhuskers are targeting right now can only be a good thing for Nebraska as they, you know, kind of turn their attention to 2022. Hey, if you go back and you look and historically, the fifth year that Scott Frost spent in college, he won a national championship with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh-oh. Player. So Uh-oh. I'm just saying in year five, which was in Lincoln now, two of those years were spent on the farm at Stanford before he transferred to Nebraska. But hey, this is a guy that's had success with his fifth year in college at Nebraska. So I'm just saying if you do the math, but I mean, it's one of those things too where we're seeing it. It's been a, it's been a fascinating, you know, thirty six hours. How many assistant coaches have fallen the sword? You know, we you don't see a lot of in season firings of head coaches. We've seen a few more in recent years, especially with the December early signing period. But coordinator hires usually change at the end of a season. It's usually when a coach is on the hot, hot, hot seat, but he's got one more year to kind of get the ship right. That's ship, S-H-I-P, in case anybody questions what I said, to get the ship right. And you try to get, you know, a coordinator that can maybe save your job. But we've seen a trend in recent years, and especially this week 
or weekend of in-season assistant coaching firings and coordinator firings. And so now you're taking, and this is where you look at what Nebraska just did. I mean, they extend him, but in the process today, he fires his offense coordinator, Matt Lubick, his offensive line coach, Greg Austin, his quarterback coach, Mario Verdugo, and his running back coach, Ryan Hell. So you essentially got rid of the majority of your offensive staff. So it is 100% on Scott Frost now. This, this, this is no longer you can blame the court, culture that you inherited. You can't blame the coordinators. A, you hired the coordinators, but B, the culture is now four years of you. So it's getting down to it where your next move may be your last move. And it's one of those situations where, yes, Nebraska, they can restructure the, contact, uh, the contract all they want, but, but make no mistake, that means that the seat for Scott Frost with the firing of these four assistant coaches just got absolutely unbearable Arizona Death Valley in the middle of July hot. Ouch. Yeah, I don't like that. I've been there and we, we've all been there, I think, and it's not pleasant. It, it, this clearly draws a, a line in the sand for Nebraska and for Scott Frost from a recruiting standpoint, too, because they're saying, hey, this is the end of the line. We're either going to win big in 22 or we're not. And I think... You know, if, if if it were me and if I were Scott Frost, I would focus entirely on the on-field results and hope that it leads to success in recruiting. And I think that's where we will see maybe an impact for Nebraska. How much impact or how much effort will he put into recruiting knowing that he has this one last season to to turn in the results and to to really impress that that administration? So it's going to be another interesting and fascinating thing to monitor. We are joined by Brandon Huffman. He's the national recruiting editor at 247sports.com. You can follow him on on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. And I also want to invite our listeners to check out his running tracker over at 24-7 Sports. It's a 2021 coaching carousel. He's ranking the FBF's jobs by recruiting opportunity. And I did want to get into that before we dive into some other topics. You have SC ranked ahead of LSU right now. And you know, that that's a it's a little bit controversial, Brandon. It's been probably the most engaging aspect of that article is the LSU and USC fans that didn't necessarily agree with the order. And it was mostly LSU fans that didn't necessarily agree with the order or LSU fans or USC fans. And I mean, hey, at least they, you know, can unite in their disdain for Ed or wait, no, they all love Ed Orgeron at USC and they don't like him at LSU. So we can't get those people <laughs> to agree on anything. But you know, it's one of those where if you look at it just from a unbiased standpoint, and maybe I'm biased because I'm from California, Blair. Maybe I'm a West Coast guy. I'm a Pac-12 guy, and I see it. But let's be honest. I mean, when USC had it going on under Pete Carroll in the mid-2000s, they were recruiting nationally. I mean, does the name Joe McKnight resonate with LSU fans at all? This guy was in their backyard. Your current head coach, who's your interim head coach, as the, re- the fired head coach, tried to recruit him to Ole Miss. I mean, even then, you, you go back and you, you look at Louisiana, just shoot, look back to, to 2000 and was it 2014? I mean, yes, LSU gets Leonard Fournette, but you know Cameron Robinson goes to Alabama. So LSU once was a point where they were like USC, where those top players in state were looking for reasons to, to leave the state. And yes, Louisiana is unparalleled. There's no other Power 5 program than LSU. Meanwhile, California has three other Pac-12 Power 5 programs besides USC, but USC is a national brand. LSU is a national brand too, but it almost feels like they're still living off of the one 2019 season. 
All right. Nobody has ever said to me, I don't know. I mean, you've been doing this for a decade. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Have you ever heard a kid say in 2021, well, you know, my favorite college football player growing up was Kevin Fall. You know, my favorite player growing up was Tyron Matthew. But yet here we are in 2021, 16 years after he last took a snap at USC and kids are still telling you, hey, Reggie Bush is my favorite college football player. So it just, and that's not just West Coast kids, that's national kids. So it shows you that the national reach, the national pool that USC has, and I know it's controversial, but I also think it's razor thin. And what really pushed me to go with USC ahead of LSU is that there's more players in the state of California that are being recruited each year than the state of Louisiana. And I also think because LSU is in such a tough conference with, from a recruiting standpoint alone, between Alabama and Georgia, who have kind of been, you know, swapping places of who's the best class in the SEC in the country and the SEC is, and LSU has got to compete with those. When USC has its recruiting going on, well, even Oregon can't stop them. And it's just been so long since we've seen that. So I went slightly ahead just because when USC has it going on, they could still recruit better than anybody in the Pac-12 and they will recruit in that top three to top five range. They just haven't had it going on. Even when LSU has been at its best, it's still got to battle Georgia. It's still got to battle Alabama. It's still got to battle Florida. You know, now even at Tennessee, which historically has recruited well. So you've now got Texas A&M in your conference, which is their kind of that manufactured rivalry. And now you got Texas and Oklahoma that you got to still battle with. So I just think that the competition with LSU makes it a little bit tougher than when USC really has it kind of running on all cylinders. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And, and, you know, I think from a national perspective, when you look at the LSU job, that's more about like the potential to win a national championship right away. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and that's where the appeal is. And I think that's why LSU will hire a a big coach to lead the charge there, because it's going to be one of those opportunities where they step in and there's going to be a quicker turnaround for success on the field, but strictly from a recruiting standpoint, Standpoint, I think if USC gets this next hire right, it's going to send a lot of shockwaves, not only up and down the West Coast, but nationally. I think there's a lot of coaching staffs everywhere, not only in the Pac-12, but across the Midwest and the SEC down in Texas that are secretly hoping that USC doesn't get this right. Because if they do, it could be a lot of trouble for a lot of different programs. And that's the thing. When you, when you look at USC... Boy, did they ever get it right when they hired Pete Carroll in retrospect. But at the time, I know you were still young at that time. I I was a year or two away from starting in the recruiting industry. People at USC were all up in arms that they couldn't get Mike Riley, that they couldn't get Dennis Erickson, that they couldn't get Mike Bellotti. And you would have thought Pete Carroll would have been grounds to shut down the football program at USC. So they made a very unsplashy hire, and you could rank him as one of the top three or four best hires in college football over the last 20 years. Then they go and hire Lane Kiffin, which, you know, wasn't a terrible hire. He came from the Pete Carroll coaching tree, and then that imploded. Then they hired Steve Sarkeesian, which wasn't bad. He came from the Pete Carroll coaching tree, and that imploded even worse. Then they didn't, you know, retain Ed Orgeron. I guess that Orgeron would have been between Kiffin and Sarkeesian. Then they retain Clay Helton, and they keep him too long. So if you look at where USC has been since John McKay retired or went to the NFL, you know, Ted Tolner had some decent success. Larry Smith had some decent success. John Robinson, the second time, went to a Rose Bowl, had some decent success. Paul Hackett was a disaster. Then the least splashy hire turned out to be the greatest hire they'd made in 50 years. So USC almost doesn't need to go for the home run hire and win the press conference again, because it's been proven that 
when they've gone and made a, what would be considered a splashy hire. You know, when Paul Hack was hired in 1997, he was the OC of the Chiefs. They were the number one seed in the AFC that year. They're, they're at least, and he had had some previous head coaching. It wasn't a great hire, but it wasn't a terrible hire. But when USC has made what they think is a splashy hire, whether it's Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian, it did implode. So it, it's not to say that USC is guaranteed to make a slam dunk hire. You, you can look at, their, I mean, Alabama. Yes, Nick Saban is probably the greatest hire in college football in 50 years. But before that was Mike Shula. You know, before that was Mike Price, and he didn't even get that thing off the ground, Dennis Franchione. So just because a school has had recent success with the coach doesn't mean all their hires have turned out to be that remarkable. So USC needs to proceed with caution here and not just go for flashy, but really go for substance. A guy that can build a strong foundation at USC that's built for the long haul, but without being unrealistic for what your expectations are immediately. TCU and Washington State also in the top five right now as Brandon Huffman continues to rank the FBS jobs by recruiting opportunity as the 2021 coaching carousel continues to circle. There could be other schools added to that. Florida, Dan Mullen, Jimmy Lake at Washington, maybe a little Chip Kelly action at UCLA. We will continue to monitor all that here down the stretch run. Brandon, before we go, Malik Agbo, a four-star offensive lineman, has locked in an official visit to Austin. Auburn for this coming weekend, and it's pretty significant on a couple fronts. Yeah, and I think it's significant because if you look at where his last official visit was scheduled for, that was supposed to be to the University of Florida at the end of November. The problem is that the coach that was recruiting into the University of Florida, John Hefsey, was just let go on Sunday by Dan Mullins. So now Auburn's in a position here with Will Friend as the primary, but it's also you know more than just Will Friend. It's Brian Harson, It's Brad Bedell. There's a lot of coaches that are on that staff that when they were at Boise State, they were looking at Malik Agua. They were recruiting Malik Agua. So there's a little bit more familiarity he visited Texas last month. He visited Oklahoma and Miami in the spring. Miami's kind of got its own little up and down thing with Manny Diaz's status, although it seems to be cooling on his seat a little bit more. But this gives Auburn a great opportunity to really make a big impression on Ogbo to get him on campus. He loves the SEC environment. Uh, this will be his first official visit to an SEC school, but he loves the, the, the kind of the national environment. And now with Hevesty gone, that potentially takes Florida out of the mix or at least puts a pause on if he takes that visit to Florida. So now Auburn might have what at least is going to be the last or the most recent visit with Ogbo. So that could end up going a long way in seeing where the Tigers end up with Ogbo this weekend when he visits. Great stuff, Brandon. Can't wait to read about it this coming weekend as Malik Ogbo heads down to SEC country. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Blair. All right, that is Brandon Huffman, National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. If you like the show, please help us out. Give us those five stars. Subscribe and leave a review. Remember, stay locked in to 24-7 Sports for all the latest buzz and recruiting scoop on your favorite college football team. For Brandon Huffman and our producer, Lance Flynn, I am Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 